Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 344. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for the new Slow Flowers Journal found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 344. Before I introduce you to today's featured guest, floral designer Carrie Wilcox, I want to share a short audio recording with Adam and Jen O'Neill of Pepper Harrow Farm, based in Winterset, Iowa. They're past guests of this podcast, and we're all excited about the new spring issue of Country Gardens Magazine out on newsstands now, because it features a beautiful article I produced and wrote about the O'Neills called Bridal Botanicals. We are reuniting this coming September because Jen and Adam have invited me to join their first extended workshop on the farm, Saturday, September 8th and Sunday, September 9th at Pepper Harrow. I wanted them to share a little bit more about that workshop, so have a listen. Well, I'm so excited to have on the line today, Adam and Jen O'Neill of Pepper Harrow Farm. This is a little bonus interview, so I'm I'm glad that you both were free to, to jump on the line with me and record record a, a bit of news uh, coming from Pepper Harrow. Hi. Hi to both of you. Hi. How are you? I'm glad good. To you. <laughs> Hi, Deborah. <laughs> you, you listeners have to realize we are not looking at each other, so there's a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of technical uh, slowdown here, uh, but it's great to hear your voices. Um, I, of course, have been fortunate enough to come visit Pepper Harrow. And actually, if you want to know a little bit more about this amazing couple and their flowers that they grow and design uh, with, uh, visit uh, or grab the, the current issue of Country Gardens Magazine, which has a story that we all worked on together about um, design the flowers at Pepper Harrow. And um, I'm pretty excited to see that in the spring issue. It was really cool. We were really excited about it. And and so was Quinlan. I know. Yeah. Your beautiful daughter Quinlan is uh, on the cover in her, in mama's flower crown. Right, Jen? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She was so proud of that. And now she, and she also has a full page in the article. So that's, that's, I, I believe me, I didn't do any have anything to do with it other than know <laughs> that our photographer fell in love with her and her modeling skills. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Although she's two years older now, so she's a kind of grown up. Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. Uh so what's going on at Pepper Harrow? You have had um 
a number of workshops over the past few years. And this new one, Flower Farmer Workshop, uh, in September is kind of going to the next level, I, I feel like, and, and maybe adding some elements that, that you want to get involved in and that you want to share with your with others in the community. It is. Uh, well, we really enjoy giving the workshops on the farm. It's just something, it, it's part of the farm that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, this has been a couple of years in the making. I think we talked about this with you a few years ago, too. So uh, we're we're finally jumping on it because we're ready to do it. That's cool. Yeah, and I, I think, Deborah, from my standpoint, we were kind of looking at it and we thought, you know, what helped us along with our flower farming journey? And part of that was getting together with other flower farmers. We've done that through other workshops that we've attended, through ASCFG and some other things. We thought, you know what, what a better way to help those who are starting out, but, you know, to bring them together, to give them true community you know, to give them the base of other flower farmers that they can pull from, not only us, but to get them together to start establishing some of that people that they can pull on to help, you know, give that greater community feel. And then I think the other thing that we're looking at with the workshop and why we're doing it is because we have had some great successes. We feel like we're in a really good position to share some of that with uh, with other budding flower farmers mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we, we've grown our business to a point where we're able to spread that knowledge. Yeah, and you're no uh, you're no strangers to hold, hosting events. Um, I of course have been so impressed with the, your yoga on the farm events, which are kind of like mini I don't know, like mini concert. And I don't know what you even call it happenings, right? <laughs> I mean, that's you know how to put it's on like events. A little, yeah, we yeah we we enjoy putting on events on the farm. We really enjoy having people out. It gets people out to the farm. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and yoga on the farm is a blast too. Our little boutique festival. <laughs> that's what it's a festival. That's a good word for it. So. Um, Okay, the workshop is two days. It's September eighth and 9th. and tell everyone where Pepperharrow is and like how, what how you envision the workshop going. Like in terms of just you're kind of centrally located because you're outside of Des Moines, Iowa. So anyone in the Midwest, even if they are don't, I mean, I feel like people in the Midwest don't mind driving five, eight, ten hours uh, <laughs> to get somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're located in Madison County, Iowa, right in the heart of Iowa. And this, it's a good Midwest location for this type of a workshop. Yeah, we're about 45 minutes south of Des Moines Airport. So if people don't want to drive, they can fly in and they could potentially drive down. Yeah, We're not providing transportation from the airport. You have to grab your own vehicle and come down. But um the hotel stay, we have a hotel room block here at our local hotel, and then uh, from the workshop itself, start the day off with an awesome breakfast. We're going to have uh, a locally, we're going to get local ingredients and make awesome meals. So we we'll wow. have a, a nice lunch there too, um, and we'll spend the, the the first part of the of the first day going over the flower farming. And it, it's it's going to be a long day. I hope everyone's prepared. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have. I'm um, sure you'll have coffee, so people can 
these these people are used to getting up early and working long days in, in the flower farming world. So I think you'll, you'll have excited students. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a lot of material to go over. So that we'll do the farming portion on the first day and it'll bleed into the second day a little bit. And that's when we'll get into uh, your awesome part that you're going to be teaching and our design portion of the workshop as well. Yeah, I'm excited to bring a kind of a, a, a couple modules uh, of creative writing, storytelling. I like to call it floral memoir and floral narrative that um, will really help people uh, figure out what content they want to create either for their websites or for social media or for proposals or blogs or even just personal writing um what an inspira inspirational place to be in or what an inspiring place to be in to think about writing about botanicals in our lives um and then you have an amazing designer uh margaret ludwig am i saying her name right margaret ludwig of giverny design mm-hmm and she's going yep. to be doing a floral design component um, on the second day as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, she's going to teach how to do uh, a floral centerpiece, and she's also going to be demonstrating a hand-tied bouquet. And the cool thing is those elements that she'll be designing with are coming like steps outside of your your studio, right? I mean, they're picked that yep. day probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Do you um, envision the student, you mentioned the beginners, uh, Janet, do you envision it's mostly people who are um, wanting to start growing their own flowers, but want to have sort of a, a bigger picture of a uh, how a farm functions and how a successful farm functions, but with a little bit of design, or are you the ex anticipating designers who want to start growing, or is it a combination? I think it's a combination. I think we've focused a little bit more on the flower farmer aspect of it. Uh, but I think we wanted to base it off of our own experiences and what we both individually bring to the table uh, separately and together. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say Adam is more of the mechanics guy behind some of the flower farming techniques and practices that we've been using. He does a lot of the seed starting. He does all of our crop planning. And then I obviously have done more of the design portion of our business. So uh, I think we're both bringing our individual talents. I'm bringing Margaret in because I think it's important for people to see different design styles. Mm -hmm. So I, I intend on showing some of my design style too with Margaret, but I think uh, I think it's important to see that people design differently and they're not going to come out of this designing exactly like me, but that's kind of where we were thinking is yeah. to bring both together. So, so we mix this course, Deborah, because this is how we've built our own business. Mm -hmm. So what, what we're going to be teaching is what we have done here on the farm. So we are teaching people what we have done and, um, in you know farming it, it's a whole lot of things so <laughs> yeah and i really i also appreciate your your willingness to share because i i know that in you know in many professions there's this closed off lack of <clears throat> sharing and i feel like many of us have not experienced that in the slow flowers community and in flower farming and floral design that has this sort of ethos of community um mm -hmm. collaboration and inclusion so <clears throat> you know it's like You've learned all this, probably a lot of it on your own and a lot from others, and you're willing to now turn around and put your spin on it and say, here's what <clears throat> what was useful for us to learn. We want to share it with you. And, I, you know, I have to just say the 
price is phenomenal, $895 for two full days. I've looked at a lot of workshops. Uh, of course, we all do. And that, that's a highly competitive price um, just because uh, you're probably overgiving and oversharing. But I, I, com- I know that you'll have really, really happy students. And I'm so excited to be part of this with you. Yeah, it's going to be a, a special experience. And, you know, we wanted to offer this. We we honestly put together the numbers on how we can make it affordable for people and that we could actually, you know, still be able to support ourselves at the farm. So if people have questions, they can reach out to you, right, to just kind of get some of their logistics or concern or, I don't know, questions or, or um, details answered by you, right? Absolutely. They can email us at pepperharrowfarm at gmail.com or get a hold of us through either of our Instagram or our Facebook pages. Great, great. I'll share all of that on our show notes for this this week's episode. I'm looking forward to seeing you both and returning to one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And um, I will also share a link. I don't know how I can do this, but I'll figure out how to share a link to a PDF of the article that's in Country Gardens uh, right now. And there was a bonus element of that photo shoot. And Adam, you are now like, what, a, a, a video star because your design, your your centerpiece design was turned into a like an online how-to uh, tutorial by Country Gardens Magazine, right? That was a... That was a nice surprise. I wasn't expecting that. That was really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. I tried to actually grab the link uh, last night when I was working on this month's newsletter, and I... I don't know if I wasn't going to the right place or not, so I'm going to still try to find the link. Um, I know it's on your Facebook page and on Country Garden's Facebook page, but I'll try to point people to that so they can watch watch that beautiful tutorial. Absolutely. Captured in print and online. What else could you ask for, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I love the most? Just to just to say how great this community is. I, we didn't know each other, but I had somehow stumbled across you and figured out that you were in Iowa, maybe I'm sure on Instagram. And then I just like cold called you or direct messaged you and said, Hey, I'm coming to Des Moines and I'd love to work on a story with you. And you guys were so awesome to say yes. And just, you were game. It was, uh, it was one of our, it's one of our fondest farm memories is having you out on the farm. It was awesome. (laughs) That was great. That was really great. Anything else you want to add about the workshop that I didn't ask you? No, I just think we're excited to have people come out, build community and have some hands-on flower farm experience with us. Yeah. We're as excited as everyone coming out, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're excited at the opportunity of, of, of doing this as in expanding our workshops and doing this. So we're going to be just as excited as everyone else. So I hope they are too. Well, it's just another illustration of how uh, diversified you have to be when you're a small flower farm. And uh, many people have yes. made the leap to start using their farm for um, as a venue. And I, I'm glad that you're doing it because it's a good example for people to, to maybe check out. Um, thanks so much. And I will see you in a few months. All right, we'll see you. Bye-bye. links and more details about the Pepper Harrow Flower Farmer Workshop at today's show notes on DebraPrinzing.com, episode 344. 
Now, please meet Carrie Wilcox. Carrie is a longtime Slow Flowers member and supporter who I was able to spend a few days with recently at the Team Flower Conference in Orlando. We managed to grab 30 minutes for me to record a fun conversation with a very fun-loving woman. Here's a bit more about Carrie. Carrie Wilcox is the owner of Carrie Wilcox Floral Design, based in Fairfield, Connecticut. Carrie has been a designer with several flower shops, as well as some of the most highly regarded floral and event studios. In 2012, she earned the European Master's Certification after studying in Bruges, Belgium, and she's currently a candidate for the AIFD designation. Carrie also enjoys entering floral design competitions all over the United States. She writes, For me, flowers are the most simple but expressive things in life. They share in your happiness during festive times and console you in moments of sorrow. Some of my most special memories are punctuated with flowers. Memories of my grandmother and I picking flowers from her garden to use on the dining table. And the frilly and fragrant Lily of the Valley from my bridal bouquet when I married the man of my dreams. Flowers have always had a special place in my heart. Growing up in coastal Fairfield County, Connecticut, the summer was always filled with bushes of electric blue hydrangea and the kaleidoscope of colors brought to life by the tea roses in my mother's garden. I've been designing and decorating with flowers from an early age when I joined my mother and sister working at a local flower shop. Now I share my love of flowers and including them in all kinds of life events with my own teenage daughter. I also enjoy sharing my knowledge of the floral industry, including decorating with and arranging flowers through teaching and speaking engagements all over New England. You can see a gallery of Carrie's designs and follow links to her social places at our show notes at deborahprinzing.com. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so delighted to introduce Carrie Wilcox as today's guest. Hi, Carrie. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, we've been emailing each other and knew we were both going to be at the Team Flower Conference, and I've been hoping to get a few minutes alone with you. <laughs> to and I want to take this. you home with me. I don't want you to live across the country. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Um, I did go to kindergarten in Connecticut. Actually. Did you? Yeah. Uh, so you're based in Connecticut yes. and um, you own Carrie Wilcox Floral Design. Mm-hmm. Um, could you describe your market and then um, just give us a snapshot of what your business is like now? I know it's probably evolved. but Right, sure. So I'm a full retail florist. You can call me for anything, but I don't have the walk-ins. Um, It alleviates having to have a retail space. Um, It alleviates having to have employees, and I can kind of make my hours. So you can call me for anything, but I specialize in weddings and and celebrations, I like to say. So you don't keep hourly... Uh, open hours, it's, but someone might call you for a local delivery. Yeah, I kind of feel like with the grocery stores, it's very hard to have like walk-in and the spoilage that you have. Mm-hmm. It's it's just I don't know how any. I envy the retail florists that can make money, but especially in my area, there's so many good. Yeah. Like so many other places to get flowers, like everyday flowers, right? Yeah. And then you have to have so many in your cooler to make it look good and the spoilage. So. I did some time in a retail shop, and that's kind of where I learned that that wasn't the avenue for me. Oh, well, I like what you said, weddings, and did you say celebrations? Celebrations. So that kind of covers uh, all kinds of events. Right, right. You know, I still do proms. People mm-hmm. can order corsages and all that kind of good stuff. And I know you're based in Connecticut, but mm-hmm. describe your market. What what do you, where, what town are you in, and then what do you serve? So I'm located in Fairfield, Connecticut, which is about 50 miles outside of New York City. So I do my market in the city every now and then. Um, 
It's really, I try to avoid it if I can. You mean like physically going in? Yes. So Uh yeah, physically going in. I have it down to science if I need to go in. Um, But I do New York City. I do New York State, Hudson Valley. I go out to East Hampton, all the way out to Montauk. I'll go, you know, wherever the client, you know. And that's more interesting to me, actually, to do a new venue than something that I do over and over and over again. Right, right. I'm sure you have to push yourself. And if you had the same venues... Week in and week out, it would be repetitive. Because you do, obviously, Connecticut-based weddings as well. Of course, yeah. Yeah. We have a lot on the water. So, right, because Fairfield is near the water, right? Oh, yeah, I live about a mile from the beach. Okay. So, uh, how would you describe your aesthetic? Um, Your website's beautiful. Your Instagram feed's beautiful. Uh, What what are you drawn to in terms of style? Or do you have to be a girl of all trades? Um, I have to thank my 17-year-old daughter for my Instagram feed. If it doesn't look good, she's like, Mom, you have to take it down. Like, she's, she's like, I, she's been a... <laughs> she's your curator. <laughs> she is. She is. She's non-paid social media. Um, so I would say it's evolved over the time. Um, and it used to be the, like, roundy-moundy type of thing. And I, it's kind of gone to a looser gardeny look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of at a place now that people are coming to me because they want that look. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like once a year, I'll get somebody that wants something that's not really my more, aesthetic. Like more um, formal, you mean? Or? Yeah, or more like the Jeffrey Latham kind of, you know, groupings of the flowers coming, you know, much mm-hmm. more modern. Mm. Um, so I think I've evolved a little bit, but I much prefer like the garden aesthetic mm-hmm. and using the American grown flowers because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they make such a difference. Yeah, well, you... You joined So Flowers, and so I, I didn't really know much about your sourcing practices, but you're, um, you told me a funny story yesterday, which we won't put on the podcast, about your some, somewhat illegal foraging. <laughs> but I think everybody has their eye on nature and trying to scope out what you can use, It's right? terrible. I drive down the road with the clippers in the car, and my husband's like, if you get arrested, I'm not bailing you out. You're doing this to yourself. <laughs> Do you cut from your own garden? I do. I plant about 200 tubers a year of dahlias. Um, I do a lot of coleus. I do um, I do have a pretty decent-sized mm-hmm. garden mm-hmm. Um, that's seasonal. Um, I have a um, 100-year-old PG hydrangea tree that serves me very well. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I do try to cut because I think cutting from your garden makes the difference. It's yeah. like something that sets you apart from other people. Yeah. Um, so when did you start the business? So I started working in the flower business when I was 14. It was my first job, um, and wow. I would I went away to high school, so I would come home, and my parents, I didn't get to ride the jets to Florida uh-huh. like my roommates did, <laughs> so they made me come home and work. And then it actually, I really got back into it after I had my children, because I just um, wasn't a very good stay-at-home mom. It mm-hmm. didn't, it just, I, I needed to be working. Mm-hmm. So um, Why I, was that? You had a few extra children laying around, right? Yes, 321 months. <laughs> And a husband, I had twins on a Wednesday, and my husband started his MBA on a Friday. So every weekend for two years at Columbia, he would go into the city. And my husband works in the city, Manhattan, so he's gone majority of the day. So um, I like to say they were very long days, but short months, short (laughs) weeks and months, because the days went on forever. (laughs) But then time just flew. (laughs) Exactly. So you're, you're... Here you are, a mom with young kids, and you've had probably many other careers, but you, maybe not, yeah, you were yeah, young. Yeah, definitely. But something about that job from being 14 kept, what, nagging at you and saying that was the most fun I ever had? Or right, right. How did that happen? I think, um, I really feel like, um, there was actually a movie about it a couple of years, Deliver- just delivering flowers makes people happy. Mm-hmm. Like, just, you know, being able to work with the nature and seeing the look on people's faces like 
I always tell my sons, deliver flowers to school for your girlfriends because yeah. it's, it just makes everybody happy. It gives, it's like a good aura that's, that's happening. Oh my goodness. So yeah. I, so you felt, you felt good about yeah, the Yeah. They, they kind Changing. of saved me because yeah. I knew enough about it that I figured that I could do it on my own. And then it kept me interested. And when there were bad times, I could always turn to the flowers so I did the New York Botanical Garden, and then I they there had suggested that I just go sweep buckets, of, clean buckets and sweep floors. So I found a studio florist in my town. I asked around who was the best. So I worked for him um, seasonally and learned the majority of my hands-on, I think, is 100% the way to go. So, so after I worked at Peter's, um, Elegant Effects was the studio in my town, I... Um, I would work seasonally, and one year a florist asked me to work Christmas time because he would be done decorating Christmas trees and houses by, like, the second week in December, and she asked me to work, and then I just stayed with her for a couple of years. And then um, she laid me off, and I was like, I can do this on my own. And Why I think- were you laid off? Were you, like, misbehaving? or <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Why do I say that? <laughs> um, let's just say... Um, I took the summer off because the kids were off, and it just didn't make sense for me to hire sure. a babysitter and drive around. And then when I went back, she had kind of already moved on. Mm. Um, it just happens. It just happens. Yeah. But maybe that had to happen so that you would go off on your own, right? Yeah. I mean, I would never let her know this, but mm-hmm. um, it was a blessing that mm-hmm. she kind of it pushed me to do my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just worked out better. Mm-hmm. So when did you actually start uh, Carrie Wilcox Floral Design? Was that like 10 years ago? Or? Yeah, it was okay. 10 years ago. And I didn't, I, you know, I have a marketing background. And my husband is, I was trying to come up with some great names. And he's like, when people do, when people ask who did your flowers, it's best to say Carrie Wilcox because then the name's still in the head. And I wish I had a creative name, but I mean, for marketing purposes, it's, and I hate hearing my name, but for marketing purposes, no. it really works. No, actually, I'm thinking about someone in, in particular, also in Slow Flowers, who had a, a cute kind of flora, florally name and realized her name was her brand and she she did a rebranding back to her name. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that that uh, sometimes is the, is the most timeless, right? No, it's not creative, but it works. <laughs> right, exactly. And so you, um, from the beginning, were focusing on weddings and events? Mm-hmm. Or, um... Yeah, just because um, the, it's, I think you really have to choose because, unless you have a full retail, um, if you want to do every day, daily, you have to have the product on hand. And, you know, the weddings take the full week. Like I Got get it. my, I've, this year I changed it a little bit. I am getting my flowers in on Saturday for the week before because your flowers should be at the peak on the day of the wedding. So you're saying you're getting your, your order in on Saturday and you let them a process and open for five or six days before you start designing? Um, so my process is now I get the roses and the things that I need to blow open. Mm-hmm. I'll get those. I'll, hi- I'll get them on Saturday. They sit in the cooler while I'm delivering a wedding. Um, hydrate them for 24 hours. And then Monday I strip and clean anything and then put them back in the buckets. And then if it's like a peony, I want it to be open. I'd rather have it open and put it in the cooler than be like stressing out at the end of the week why they're, you know, cutting and bagging. Yes. I'd rather I'd rather have them blown open and put in the cooler. And then just kind of hold them at that level. Exactly. So there are times when you leave things out in the warm studio or warmer studio to kind of urge them along, Oh, right? 100%. Yeah, like the anemones I was getting last fall were like so tight. It was taking them a week and a half to even look pretty. So Maculas have that problem too, don't they? Unless you're good in the Clooney's. Like yeah. everyone loves the Clooney's now, yeah. but they're really expensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're, um, we're here at Team Flower and you're on, on your way to get your hair done for the party tonight and you have all <laughs> these flowers and I saw the gardenia and I, I had a flashback of the 
time when I ordered gardenia for a bridal bouquet, and we had to like practically cook them to get them open because they came in bud. And right. I, I don't have enough experience to realize. You probably already know this. Like you, you back it out and figure out how many days you need mm-hmm. to, pro- to just urge that thing to open. I will. Um, I always cut gardenias from a plant because they've been air. They're out in the air and they don't turn brown. The ones that you get in the boxes that have the three. Yeah. You take them out and they turn brown immediately. So I never it's knew better that. to cut from like a plant. So do you go to like a garden center and mm-hmm. just get like a hostess yeah. potted gardenia? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the that is worth listening to this podcast. Well, I'll just tell you, I, I did a I did a big um, hospital event a couple years ago, and um, they wanted this like red color hydrangea, and it was around Mother's Day, and you know you pay like wholesale, you're up like six seven dollars a stem. I went to Whole Foods and bought pots, and they had at least six seven stems in them for like twelve ninety nine. Wow! And then I just planted it in the ground, and now every year I cut from them. You have all these shrubs. Yeah, yeah. Cutting and from you, plants is huge. But obviously, obviously, you didn't need a super long stem, so that was yeah. that was acceptable. Right. Well, I mean, they were pretty. They were pretty. You know, Mother's Day. Well, they're ten be, inches, twelve yeah, inches. Yeah, okay. they're pretty good size. Um, but that was like, saved, and I have, I think I must have gone through like 25 plants. So I just threw them in the ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So um, you're, you're in this sort of, I would imagine, I would describe it as kind of a destination wedding area or like the greater New England mm-hmm. uh, shore and up to Hudson Valley. I mean, that, there's a lot of money yeah. on weddings. How do you, har- how do you harness that? Or how, how are you snagging those, those brides? Or is that what you want? Yes. So I will say my, um, I get about 70% of my business from wedding planners and I treat them very well. Um, and if they ask me for something extra, I just do it. Like on the day of, if someone, if they forgot bridal flower hairs, I just do it. I keep Mm -hmm. them happy. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really easy because then I can just go to them if I have a problem. I don't have to track down the bride who's crazy. Um, sometimes you create your own buffer. (laughs) I do. When I have consultations, if I find out that they don't have a planner, I'm like, you really should have a planner. <laughs> and then you refer your favorite planner. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so the planner is the person who kind of makes your life easier if you have a good good relationship. 100%. Yeah, and yeah. they find planners. I think there's a lot more florists than there are planners, good planners. Okay. And the good planners are always out there marketing themselves. And do, I, I'm just curious, do brides typically hire the planner before they hire the florist or does it go both ways? So they're, um, the ones that come to me are directly from the planners. Mm-hmm. They are hired as a full plan, which kind of takes a little of the creativity out for me because they'll come and they'll already have the look and the flowers and everything laid out. Like the palette and the theme and all. Exactly. Yeah. Which That's... I think is a little bit, um, I would like to be involved from yeah. the beginning yeah. because Maybe I could inf- and put infuse some color instead of all these white and blush and green weddings, <laughs> right? Oh. Or maybe you can, you know, maybe you can um, suggest a more affordable flower or a more seasonal flower or something. Exactly. Thank you so much. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Why did my wine Cheers. come with? Why did my wine come with a straw? That's the straw Oh, we're having too much fun yes, here in are. Orlando. No, the waiter like, just kindred said it. spirit. Can you come to every conference with me? <laughs> The waiter did just say it, so he knew which one was the Chardonnay. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> um, okay, so you made a little. I don't know if people heard you talk about the white and green, but um, you're you're getting some of that. On no surprises when right. people come in, your palettes are a little bit narrower than you want. Yeah. Is that happening to everybody? Do you think? 
or it's just your area? No, it might be the area, but I think, and not the farmer florists because they have so much color and those brides are going to them because they have the beautiful flowers and the different Mm -hmm. organic things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people think white is timeless, but there's only so many white flowers. Like, I mean, you can get, there's tons of different white dahlias, but... It's just like it's very like it's nice yeah. to have a break. Yeah, yeah. So what um what is what is the color you crave somebody to come hire you to design? What color do I crave? I love a good coral charm peony. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. You could build I, a whole palette up. One hundred percent. And I did a wedding in in November that was like the fuchsia and the it had the blush, but it had some of the purples in it too, which. Looks, I love to use fruit in my arrangements and fruit and vegetables, so it looked beautiful with, like, the grapes and the pomegranants. And um, it's just I, – I want my – people spend the majority of their time at a wedding sitting at a table, and I want them to look at that and talk about the centerpiece. They're spending a lot of money, and if I do my job successfully – People should be talking about, of course, the bride. And like, how what's that she crazy? Looks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah. But what's that crazy thing that she put in the vase? Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh my God, look at the, you know. So when I do weddings, I suggest at least two or three versions of centerpieces, and I always tell them they're never the same. I don't do boutonnieres the same. I say they all coordinate, mm. but they, um, they all look like they match, and um, I do each one a little bit different. Wow. Kind of a one of a kind. Right, it just makes there it might more be interesting. A, there might be a thread that goes through it, right? Yes, exactly. And would it be the foliage or? So I have to thank Tomas Dubion and Hitomi from EMC um, that have pounded in my head. There are no polka dots in nature, so the more unrealistic it looks, the more natural it looks. Mm. Um, mm. So when you know, in you can see those arrangements sometimes that have like the you know, the roses in five different, you know, perfectly yeah, spaced, right. that doesn't look natural. Right, so, right. You're um, emulating the garden and nature exactly. when you can. Exactly. Do you, would you do, um, say there were four bridesmaids, would you do four slightly different bouquets for them? Well, or? I love to use dahlias. Mm-hmm. So even if you use Cafe LA dahlias, you could have one plant that has more of a sandy tan color versus mm-hmm. a pink color. Mm-hmm. So I always tell them there are, they are a little bit different. Yeah. They are a little bit yeah. different just by nature. Um, I love that idea. And I just love that. Um, I don't know. It's like the wabi-sabi almost. Like the, it's it's not going to be matched perfectly. Right. It's going to. And I guess I'm thinking like a, if I was doing a wedding with six boutonnieres, if I knew the groomsmen, especially, which you don't get to. But there's probably this little bit of independence that they all want to have their yeah. own look. Right. And right. Like sets them apart. Right. First of all, they, they, a lot of them don't like wearing boutonnieres to begin <laughs> with. And I always tell them it's not prom, so I'm not going to make this big, huge, honking, like, rose. If I do a rose, I'll do the spray roses. Uh-huh. But um, the bridesmaids now are typically have, um, like, Jenny Yu is a really popular designer right now, so they will um, get the same designer, but they all have different styles. Of the dress. Of the dress. Yes. So a lot of them are doing that. I've even had a lot where the bride just gives them like a color swatch and says, "Go find a dress that you want to wear." Like mm-hmm. in that. I mean, I think if that's, that's so the case, prettier. then the bouquets are the kind of the thing that unifies it. Right. I see. Yeah. Right. Do you right. use ribbon a lot? I love ribbon. Yeah. Is that still on trend? Um, I think with silk and willow, it is, and mm-hmm. some people now that May Arts is doing the ombre um, ribbon. Um, I love to use ribbon. I know Holly and Ariella; they have a special way of they, how they do their their ribbons. Um, I am an like I have a funny story. I bought some beautiful ribbon from M and J for a bride, and um, we delivered the bouquet, which is always my like nervous time because 
if they don't like the bouquet, the whole day is going to go bad. <laughs> it doesn't matter how great those centerpieces are. <laughs> yeah, so I get I had it. This, I spent a fortune because I really like the bride. Hope she's not going to listen to this. Um, and we delivered it, and she started crying. She's like, I just hate this ribbon. I'm like, it's okay. We can change the ribbon. God, if that's your worst problem, you probably have a couple extra spools in the car, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh yeah. Goodness. I always travel with extra oh, ribbon. That's interesting. Mm. I guess there's sometimes where people would want to have this conversation about ribbon if they're giving you a, a swatch of the bridesmaid's gown and, and saying, you know, if you use ribbon, match it perfectly or whatever. But Then it disappears. Yeah. Like you want it to pop against the dresses. And I think, I don't know if you heard me this morning, but I did find out of California this woman who is now ombreing. I love velvet oh, ribbon. Yeah. Oh, you're the one who talked about the Hana? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the Hana is, um, or Hannah, whatever. It's H-A-N-A, yeah. right? Be, uh, at the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, um, they carry that ribbon because it's a USA made uh-huh. and it's artisan. I mean, it's small batch, right? She, she will custom do velvet ombre ribbon. So I can send her color swatches and she will custom. Found her at the gift show in wow. New York. Like back in wow. like the bottom floor. I go to the gift show every year to kind of see the trends. And she was just kind of back in this little corner, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm addicted now. Does she have a minimum, like uh, 10 yards or something? Or I forget. Um, I don't think. I'm sure okay. she would do anything. Well, we'll put a link to that uh, yeah. in the show notes because uh, that's a great resource, and I'm familiar with it. I think the the, the ribbons are so um, intensely pigmented, but they could still be pa- pastel, but they just hold their color really well. Yeah, the velvet ones are especially beautiful. Oh, like the, she, she did a burgundy out. kind of blush one that was so pretty. So. Pretty. so I know this isn't a measure of success, but I'm sure. just curious because you're a one-woman show. You must have employees, how or freelancers. How many right. weddings are you doing a year? Um, so I'm on track to do about 32 this year, and I don't think I want any more. I don't. I have my daughter's going to college, and that's been a little hard because we don't know where she's going to college. So I kind of so you don't know what weekend you're going to need to take her to college. college. Yes. And there might be a wedding that weekend. I've kind of blocked two weekends off that I think um, I, it's not, I'm not a one person. I, I hire as needed, which okay. is also something I like to do. Um, and I have the people that help me like half a day, Friday and Saturday, because that's just like gathering and then set up. Like it's just no physical, brainer. it's just physical labor. You need, you can't do it all yourself. Right. Yeah. And I had a great designer last year who is traveling the world and um, she's very smart. She just, as she travels, she talks to florists on Instagram and she does freelance work. So I think she's getting very well known and I'm not sure if I'm going to have her. So if anybody's in the area, I'm looking for some good designers. And generally you're looking for people who have some level of of a skill, but are willing to come in and and take direction and not not, not be the diva or whatever. And I don't want, um, if I have the time, I'm, and I, because this is what happened to me, I would love to show you how to do things, but at the same time, I don't want to have to redo something that you've done. Yeah. Because the week is like you have things like my centerpieces are Wednesday, Thursday, and then, you know, finish them up. And then Friday's the personals, and you're delivering on set. Like you don't have, and I hate working at night. I'm Mm -hmm. such a morning person. Mm -hmm. So I like to be done by a certain time. Is your studio at your home? No. Okay. So I, um, and that's it. a lot of people. That's um, a question they ask to see how serious you are. So they're okay. always like, "Do you have a cooler? And do you have a team of people? And do you have a studio space?" Like you mean, like a client would ask this. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I have some clients because um, there's a lot of people who are starting off, and that's great. I started out in my house, yeah. but um, that's interesting that they're like, kind of, are you true? Yeah. Or are you not? I've yeah. kind of got a little bit of past that, but um, so I have a studio space. 
Um, it is not fancy. It is a basement, but I lucked into it because it used to be a retail florist. So um, I'm in the basement. The first floor he rents out to another client, um, but the cooler is left there. So the cooler the is mine. Is, is upstairs. Oh, I have I to go upstairs, but it's like a $6,000 cooler wow. that I didn't have to buy. Wow. And just today... He was, uh, just today, he called and asked me if I wanted the upstairs, but it would be like quadrupling my rent. So I'm, I think a lot of, um, I'm seeing a trend where people are sharing space. I was just going to say, I wonder if you could get a few trusted yeah. peers to do that. Yes. Yeah, so he's wow. given me two months to do that. To think about it. To find somebody to join me. Oh, good. Me. We'll cross our fingers yes, for you on that. Wow. That's amazing. Can you, if you had the upstairs space, you could do consults there probably. Yeah, but I, um, I had a wedding that canceled on me. It was a, it was a very large wedding. Um, and I asked her if I could meet with her um, after she canceled it, um, take her out to lunch and um, ask her what she liked and what she didn't like about the consultation mm-hmm. and the whole process. And it was very eye-opening um, to what she thought was good and what she thought was not good. And I, speci- I always worry about, like, not having a nice space mm-hmm. to come. Mm-hmm. She said she very much appreciated that I came to her. Mm. And I was the only florist that she interviewed that offered to come. She was in the city, so I just hiked my butt into the city. Um, and she said she really liked that personal service. Yeah, interesting. Um, which, so if you had a retail like, shop, you can't do. Right, and you're not having to wow people with a space that's just like only used exclusively for consults either because that's you can't afford I mean that's a lot that's a lot of money to like keep a space that you only have for consultations did she cancel because her wedding got canceled she called her wedding off oh okay She's wow. a doll. Yeah. Then she came like the next week and helped me with a huge photo shoot. So she she's she's a friend for life. She is. She is. Um, are I know that you are uh, pretty broad in your uh, sourcing practices, and you source as much locally as you can, but you mm-hmm. are also importing. And I'm I'm curious how that balance how, is. It just depend on the time of year or. Right. How do you how do you balance all that? So what I have found works for me is um, first I always do a sample. I know people don't do a sample, but it just is comforting for me to know what my recipe is, and then also that the client sees it, so they know exactly what's going to be on their table. Because I don't like last minute surprises, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I what I do is I just add an extra, and then I divide it between how many centerpieces there are. Mm-hmm. So say if there's if there's ten centerpieces. I calculate a, a cost for 11 mm-hmm. and then kind of spread the cost mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do it four to six weeks in advance because that's closest to what's going to be in season. And then I always say I reserve the right if I see something on the market that I can just add. Um, so In that palette or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah. So knowing the recipe, I order all my basics as my, as ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then I that 20 extra 20%. I'm going to shout out to my favorite Muddy Feet far, Flower Farms. She... Um, I get a lot of local product, and I'll just say, look, I have this color palette. This is my budget. Just bring me what you have. And, you know, each one's a little different, which I think is even more, and each centerpiece is a little right, bit more interesting right. that way, too. When you said that yesterday, there were so many flower farmer <laughs> gals, farmer florists, who were like, that is music to my ears. You're the dream client if I mean, you say how that. You, how, they don't know what they're going to have, and, like, they could have a rainstorm, and it doesn't blend. Like, I I tried that, like, for a year, and it she could never just... I'd send her my list, and she just couldn't guarantee me right, anything. So, right. so you just kind of 
kind of went with Mother Nature and right. trusted this relationship. Right. So, like, I always use olive. I always, see, you know, there's always the basics, and then I I order those, and then I um, will accent with the, whatever she can bring me beautifully, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that takes it over the edge. It makes me different. How far are you from Muddy Feet Flower Farm? She, I'm lucky because she comes down to the um, farmer's market and I pick up from her at the farmer's oh. market. See, that's see, you're creative. I mean, this is yeah. why people, when they say they can't find local or American-grown flowers, I want to say how much are you, how much effort are you actually putting into right. finding a solution? So mm-hmm. picking up from the farmer's market is, no wonder you're getting the product on, yeah. on Saturday, right? So, uh, well, I pick up from the end. Um, her, obviously, American Grow stuff is a little bit more. I mean, the local stuff is a little bit more fragile. Right. So I pick up on Thursday oh. because she's at the market on oh, Thursday. I I'd prefer to pick it up on Wednesday, but I don't want to drive. Um, and she's also fantastic because she is kind of, if she doesn't have it, she'll source all of her friends and bring mm. it with her to mm. me. Mm, that's wonderful. That's She's wonderful. great. So you're in, in the thir- of the 32 weddings that you're doing this year, uh, are they like April through October or are they spread out? Like how do you, how do you keep from going crazy in the summer? So um, in our area, um, we don't, there's not a ton of weddings in July and August because most people go to their summer houses okay. or they go, you know, they have houses in Nantucket or the vineyard and... Um, so my busy season is really May and June and then September through November are wow. just, wow. just awful. Right. And I always love a Christmas wedding. I didn't have one last year for the first time in five years and I had nothing to decorate my house with. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um, it sounds like the other thing that you mentioned, alluded, you alluded a little bit to European master's certification. Uh-huh. And you're, will you be going to uh, Bruges? Is it Bruges or Belgium? This well, fall? I was in the first oh, class. Oh, you're the class. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm mixing you yeah. up with someone else who's here. You're already certified. I am. I okay. am. It was tough. They did not make it easy. They, um, I actually failed two of the four pieces and had to retake them later. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, they I look at it, flowers so differently than yeah. we do. And they, um, I say they, the Europeans, look at our hand tides and like, that's what we get at the grocery store. But that's what our brides, you know, right. that's what our brides want. Right. Um, the wiring techniques are just really good mechanics to have. Like, they hand wire their entire bu- bridal bouquets. Right. When I was at Flower Stock, I, Rob Honey was giving a demonstration. And he's like, yeah, I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning on the wedding day and hand wire all the flowers. I'm like, that is no interest to me. So right. um, I do a lot of competitions. And so that keeps it a little bit more interesting mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're taking what pieces of that training and certification work for your business and right. your aesthetic. Right. But you're not copying someone else's aesthetic. It still carries carries aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have to stand out some way. I mean, mm. I think there is right now a lot of people are doing the same look. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens after the royal wedding, what Shane Conley has in mind. Is Shane Conley doing I heard the he Megan and uh, yeah. Will? Or no, wait, what's the other son's um, name? Uh, Harry. Harry, Megan yeah. and Harry. Oh, I can't believe I didn't even remember that. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That will be a big influence then. Yeah, because I had a lot of brides who um, after... Kate I, and William. Yeah, I had one bride who wanted, you know, the... Ex- in fact, EMC, and I think the flower world in general, thought that Kate was going to carry a cascading, and mm. that was going to bring the cascade back. But, of course, she didn't. She had this little shield shape that mm-hmm. um, was had very meaningful language of flowers. And she's so petite, it probably was the right scale for her. It was. Yeah. But then I had some brides after that that wanted, like, Lily of the Valley bouquets in the middle of, you know, the September. Wrong yeah. And I'm like, I can get you anything. 
because now you can get anything yes. anytime, but it's not like, I can get peonies in December, but they're not the beautiful locally grown huge peonies you're going to get in my area, at least right. around like May and June. So you have to educate your, your brides. Yeah. I'm like, if you want like the puny things, that's fine. I'll get it for you, but it's not going to be what you think it yeah. is. Yeah. So, um, we need to wrap up a little bit. What, what brought you to Team Flowers since since I was so delighted I got to see you here. Um, I'm you're you're pretty established in your career and it's it it surprised me that you wanted to just you still go to workshops and you still kind of step outside of the studio and, and learn something new. I think the best part about coming to these conferences is the people that you make and the relationships. Mm-hmm. Like I got to know you really well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go home with you. Um, and you hear about all kinds of different things, different techniques that people are using um, different sourcing. Um, like today, Root Valley gave me like a bunch of things. Um, so you kind of have to keep it fresh and keep going. Um, because if I don't do these things, I find myself just, you know, it's not, it's work. It's just like, I mean, it is work, but it's just like, you can get so you don't want to fall down. You don't want to fall out of love with flowers. Right. Right. I think that's a really, and also it's somewhat a solitary profession in a way mm-hmm. because you're yes you're meeting with clients you've got freelancers but a lot of the time you're by yourself in your studio yeah I would say the majority of the time yeah. Um, yeah. writing proposals which I do pretty detailed proposals um, only because they I feel like they want to know what they're getting and I always say and seasonal flowers you know so I give them a good you know like locally grown dahlias or you know I give yeah. them a good um, I love to use herbs too so I you know but um, fruit vegetables and herbs and that mm-hmm. sounds like that's sort of your your little signature <laughs> last week I went with a bride and I'm like she wanted she wanted the aubergine mm-hmm. kind of look and I'm like oh my god do you love the mini um um eggplants, eggplants. the Japanese she's eggplants like, eggplant in my arrangement I don't know if I could go for that I'm like let me just do it in the sample it's not like there's gonna be a huge eggplant right there <laughs> it's not phallic it's the tiny one <laughs> exactly and how great will it be when guys are sitting there like looking at an eggplant on the table I want to see a picture of that <laughs> Well, listen, um, there's so much more. We can do part two another time yes. when I come visit you. Uh, but I would, I'm would i just delighted we got to record yeah. this. And uh, I admire your work so much. So I hope I we can sleep. show photos of your work and tell people how to find Carrie Wilcox. Will you dance with me tonight? Yes. <laughs> yes. But are you sure you don't want to dance with flowers in your hair? You can't whip your head around. I'll wait you see my dress. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Dress. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll hint at that and maybe <laughs> let people see the photos of Carrie's uh, botanical inspiration fashions. There you go. Um, from this this event here in Orlando and we'll share those at the show notes for this episode at DebraPrinzing.com. So thank you so much, Carrie. Oh, yes. And I'm going to come to the Slow Flower Conference. Great. I'm going to be there. Yes, I'm coming to the East Coast, so. I will be there. It'll, won't be so far for you. No, DC is like, like, well, six hours. But. Well, you know me, I'm like, oh, it's the East Coast. How <laughs> far could it be? <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Luxury Package promotion continues now through April 22nd, Earth Day. If you registered for the upcoming Slow Flowers Summit conference by that date, you'll be entered into a random drawing to receive a $400 gift package. All the details are available at today's show notes and at slowflowerssummit.com. 
The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 303,500 times by listeners like you. Thank you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. And thank you to Mayash Wholesale for recently listing the Slow Flowers podcast in its blog post titled, The Floral Podcast You Should Be Listening To Right Now. We're included in some great company, and I'll be sure to share a link to that post in today's show notes. As the Slow Flowers movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at deborahprinzing.com in the right column. Thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and all of our programs, including this podcast, American Flowers Week, the slowflowers.com online directory to American Grown Flowers, as well as our new channels, the Slow Flowers Journal and the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit. They are Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ascfg.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.